Amen. Appreciate that song. Uh, sitting there thinking, who, man, you, I love to tell the story. I was thinking about those words, and I thought, oh, you know what? Does one person or maybe two people want to stand up just real quick and give a short testimony, brief. I don't want the 15, 20-minute edition of your testimony, but just say how you, how you came to know the Lord, uh, the story that we were singing about. Any volunteers? I want to give you an opportunity. Go for it. Go for it, Brother Richard. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Boy, there's nothing like knowing uh, that you've been saved. All right, we got one more. Rachel stood up, or she raised her hand, so real loud. I don't want to take all night. I, I just, I, I like that song, and I thought, you know, why don't we give somebody an opportunity to share that old story about how Jesus changed your life. And, and you, um, I, I know sometimes it's embarrassing to stand and talk in front of people, but we, we as saved people, we as family, ought to be able to share our testimony amongst ourselves. And uh, it's a great practice. It's a great opportunity. Rehearse it here, and then you go out and tell people at work how God changed your life. And, uh, and what a great opportunity that we have to tell that old story uh, that Jesus does change lives. Praise the Lord for that. I enjoy hearing other people's testimonies. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter number 26. Proverbs 26. And uh, we're going to look this evening at the last few verses of Proverbs 26. And I, I have said uh, since we started this chapter that, um, that it was broken up fairly well. And it really has been. I mean, we talked about the fool, we talked about the sluggard, we talked about strife, and I've always said verses 23 through 28, uh, we're talking about the words, and uh, as I began looking at it, uh, I certainly started to, to feel like the, the uh, probably the category would be more clearly stated, the wickedness, uh, even more than the words, and words are referenced frequently, there's no doubt about it, but words are much like a hammer, and, uh, and they're a tool. 
Now, a tool uh, can be used for good and it can be used for bad. If you put a hammer in the hand of a thief, it's probably not going to be used for good. He's going to use it to knock a lock off or knock a door down or break a window or do some kind of uh, bad with that hammer. But you put that same hammer in the, in the, in the hands of a construction worker and he's going to build something with it. And so uh, as we look at the words, words are definitely used in this passage. There's no doubt about it. They're referenced several times about the lips. Uh, but it's more of a warnings of wickedness. And, uh, and you'll see that as we look at this. So we have it very clear uh, laid out here in, in, this, in this passage. And uh, it's of great value uh, to, to a young, innocent child of God who may not be aware of the evil practices of the world. So it will help the young people who may not be aware of evil. Sometimes I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I grew up very innocent. I, I remember distinctly, my family will tell you, about the, the first thing that was stolen from me. And a guy lied straight out to my face and said it was his. And I just... I was aghast that somebody would just flat out lie to me like that and steal from me. I just couldn't fathom that. But sometimes we're innocent like that. And so this will help the young people to understand, hey, uh, that, that not everyone is like that. There are wicked people in this world. And then it's a great reminder to the savvy, mature saint who has been saved for some times because sometimes we surround ourselves in a nice circle of good godly fellowship and that's a good thing to do. Uh, but sometimes you may forget and become vulnerable uh, to wickedness that is outside of our circles. And so it's a good reminder all the way around for us to be aware of wickedness that exists in the world. And uh, so the Bible says here in Proverbs 26, in verse number 23, he says, Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you again, Father, for the opportunity that we have to be in your house and to hear from your word. God, I pray that you would just use me. God, I pray that you'd help me uh, as we go through this passage. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would instruct us from your word. And God, may we take to heed and take to heart the warnings that are given of wicked people. God, may we be aware, uh, not worried, but aware of wickedness that is in this world. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, I want to look at just the first verse there, 23, that we covered. And I want you to be able to see the value of wickedness. The value of wickedness. Now look at that and look at what it says there in verse number 23. The Bible says, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered 
with silver dross. Let's look at that first part, burning lips and a wicked heart. Uh, burning lips is not, uh, have you ever eaten something hot and man, your lips are on fire? That's not what it's talking about, okay? Uh, I wanted to clear that up right away. I remember when I was in Peru and, uh, and I, this was when I was a teenager and, and we had gone on a trip and, uh, and I always learned uh, you just kind of watch what everyone else does and that's what you do because you don't know what's going on. You don't understand the language and, uh, and you don't understand their culture. So you just, you do a lot of observing and kind of watching. So we were out to eat and they brought out soup for breakfast of all the crazy things. I don't even like soup anytime, but I definitely don't want it for breakfast. But they brought soup out for breakfast. We were in the mountains. So, hey, we ate. Um, so I had my bowl of soup there and I looked and there was a little... Well, it wasn't little, it was a pretty good size round, a, uh, a piece of pepper, and it was sitting there, and, and I watched, and everyone stuck their pepper in their soup. So I grabbed my pepper, I stuck it in my soup. And, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I'm eating my soup, and pretty soon my soup became so hot, I couldn't eat it anymore. It was spicy. I mean, my, I, I was, and so I started looking, and everyone else had taken their pepper out. Well, I missed that. I didn't take my pepper out. My pepper was still in my soup. And so I'm eating that soup, and man, I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I finally fished my little pepper out, and, and my soup was just, it was beyond edible at that point, not for me. And, uh, and, and man, you talk about burning lips. My lips were burning. They were on fire. That was, that was hot. But again, that is not what this is talking about. Burning lips in this passage would refer to, um, to, to uh, talking bad about other people. Go with me. Save your spot here in Proverbs 26. And uh, go with me to Proverbs 16. Just back a few pages. We'll just look at this verse real quick. We won't spend a lot of time here, but it's relevant to this passage, and it's relevant to burning lips. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 16 and verse number 27, it says this, Proverbs 16, 27, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and, his, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. Now, there's people out there that want to dig up wickedness and dirt on people. Uh, if, you're, if you follow politics at all, uh, they are, that's what it's all about in politics. It kind of drives me crazy, to be honest with you, uh, because, I mean, if, if there's a, it, it doesn't matter, good, right, wrong, indifferent, if there is any candidate, we'll call them candidate A, and we'll call them candidate B, to be safe. There's a candidate A, and candidate B is going to tell you all the dirt on candidate A, and candidate A is going to tell you all the dirt on candidate B. I mean, that's just the way it is. They look for dirt. And that's what the Bible is saying because there's, uh, it happens more than just in politics. It happens in life. There are people who desire uh, to destroy other people, and they will manufacture dirt where dirt does not exist. They will find a way to ruin people. And that's what they are, are really doing. And that's what this verse is talking about in Proverbs 16. It says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. In other words, hey, he just can't wait to get it out there. Uh, he's got to share it with somebody. And so the idea of burning lips is that, uh, that hey, that they're, they're going to be talking. Uh, the Bible says it this way in James chapter 3 and verse number 5. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, 
a world of iniquity, so is a tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And so you look at the idea of lips burning and then you look at the idea of an ungodly man digging up dirt or digging up wickedness on other people and, and wanting to spread that. And then you look at the fact that the Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is as a little fire and you get the idea that, hey, th those are words that are, that are slanderous. Those are words that are bad. Those are words that are hurtful. Those are words that are going to destroy other people. And what the, what the Bible is warning us is that, hey, there are people in this world who will go around and look to destroy other people. You need to be aware of that because it exists. Now, that's beyond me I, I, because that's not what I desire to do. And that's probably beyond most of you guys because that's not what you desire to do. But even though it's not our intention and even though it's not our desire, we do have to be aware that there are people like that in the world. And there are those who would desire to destroy other people. And so we do need to be aware of that. The Bible gives us a good warning here in verse 23 that burning lips, in other words, those who would talk about others, Look at what it says in the second part. And a wicked heart. Now the heart, we've said this before, is the center of the life. It is the center of the seat of our emotions. It, it is, it is uh, uh, something that's very important. Matter of fact, the Bible warns us in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Uh, this is a really good verse and, and you should underline it and you should memorize it. Especially young people, you need to learn this verse because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, what is in your heart is eventually going to come out. And the Bible couples those two ideas, the burning lips and the wicked heart, because a wicked heart is, is going to spew out burning words. It's going to have a problem because it initiates in the heart. And, that, and Proverbs 4.23 is warning us to guard our hearts. Verses that are prior to Proverbs 4.23 are talking about things that go into your life through your eyes and through your ears and things that you allow to influence your life. And then it says in verse 23 to guard your heart. In other words, be careful of the things that you listen to. Be careful of the things that you look at. Be careful because, uh, listen, the bottom line is this, garbage in, garbage out. That's, your, that's, that's the bottom line. You put something wholesome in your life. You put something good into your life, and you're going to get good out of your life. But if you, if you fill your life full of wickedness, if all you do is sit around and watch TV all day long, I'm telling you, there are subtle influences, even in decent things. There's subtle influences there that are going to affect you. And I'm just saying, you got to be careful. And, and the Bible would warn us, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. And the Bible talks about that. Jesus said this in Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 45. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaketh. 
Well, Jesus said that in the New Testament. So there's no wonder back here in Proverbs that it would couple the burning lips, one that would gossip, one that would slander with a wicked heart. Because, hey, those words are going to come from inside. And they're going to be uh, of that nature. They're going to be something that's not good. Now, that's the first part of the verse. Look at with me the second part. We're looking at the value of wickedness. And look at what he says. He says, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. Now, aren't you glad you read that second part? You're scratching your head saying, what on earth is a potsherd and what is silver dry? I mean, that's what I did when I read it. I said, potsherd covered in silver. What is that? And so I looked it up. And, uh, and a potsherd is this. It is a broken piece of pottery. Now, we don't live in the day and age of pottery. We don't live, uh, we, don't, we, we know what pottery is. We understand what it is. Uh, but we don't understand the entire process of making pottery and using pottery. At least I don't real well. Uh, but I do know this. They form it, and it has to be wet when you form it. And once you form it, then uh, they'll either let it sun dry or they'll dry it in an oven. And, uh, and once it's dry, you don't go back and reshape that thing. Once it's dried out, it's, it's a done deal. And then if you have this nice piece of pottery that you've made and you drop it and it breaks, you know what you have? Garbage. That's what you have. It's not worth anything. You can't, you can't go back and add it to the clay and, uh, and remake something with it. It is absolutely invaluable and worthless at that point. And that is what the Bible is saying, that it's, it's like, in other words, burning lips or gossiping or slandering tongues and a wicked heart that would go together are like a potsherd. They're like a piece of broken pottery that are good for nothing. They can't be used for anything. They have no value. And so the value of wickedness is absolutely worthless. Now, what about silver dross? Well, silver dross uh, is, is uh, the impurities of the silver. You know, when they, when they take silver, and I don't know where they get it from, or they mine it, or they find it, or, or even if they take old silver, uh, they will melt it down. And what happens is there's always some kind of impurities mixed with it, and it will form a dross, and, uh, and I don't know if it runs out the bottom or they scrape it off the top. Well, the book of Proverbs talks about this. Go to Proverbs 25, just back one, one chapter, and verse number 4. And he says in Proverbs 25, 4, he says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. The dross that it's talking about is melted off, and it's impurities that are mixed with the silver. And when they heat it up and melt it, and they scrape off that dross, it makes the silver that much more valuable. So you, you can imagine what do they do with the dross? They cast it aside. It's waste. It's no good. It's, it's, it's garbage that came from the silver. And it's impurities that are left over uh, from, from the silver being purified. And so here in our verse, as we go back and we think about this, he says in verse number 23, he says, Burning lips, that would be slanderous, gossiping lips, that come from a wicked heart are like potsherd, a broken piece of pottery, covered with silver dross. And we find that the value of wickedness is nothing. It's waste. 
it, all the slander and all the gossip and all the wickedness in anybody's heart is absolutely worthless. It is of no value. And that's what this verse is pointing out. And so we see the value of wickedness. And, and I know that many times uh, the world and the devil, uh, the devil is a master tempter. There is no doubt about that. And he will make it seem as though those who are slandering and those who do have a wicked heart are doing well and they will propagate themselves as if they're doing well. But understand, Christian, understand, child of God, that there is no value found in that. It's absolute wickedness. And you need to stay away from that and be careful of that and be aware of the value of wickedness because it's, it's a, uh, it is of no value to us. It's absolute waste. That's what the Word of God says. It says, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. It is of no value to us. So we see the value of wickedness. There is none. In verse number 24, and that goes all the way down through 26, all those verses are coupled together. It's kind of a thought that carries on. Uh, we can see the veil of wickedness. The veil of wickedness. Look with me at verse 24. The Bible says, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Now these verses are, are pretty simple. There's a few words that maybe, uh, maybe we might stumble over. Let me define them for you. Look with me at verse 24. He that hateth dissembleth. I had to look that up because I read dissemble and I think that means you're supposed to take it up. But that's not what this word means at all. Matter of fact, it's pretty far from that. There, this word has nothing to do with that. That would be disassemble, not dissemble. So there's two separate words. So this word dissemble means this, to hide under a false semblance, to put an untrue appearance upon, to mask. Now we understand mask because uh, we've had to wear them for so long. Uh, it means to hide. Uh, one of the things I hated about the whole, the whole mask thing is, is you can smile at somebody and they can't tell. Or you can, I guess the opposite, you could stick your tongue out at them too and, and they wouldn't know. But, uh, but, but I, I tend to walk by and I smile at people and kind of nod. And, and I, with a mask on, I'd smile and nod and, and they couldn't see my smile. It was kind of like, well, that was pointless. And, uh, and, and it hides the true emotion. Well, that's what dissemble means. So now that we know that, look at again with me at verse 24. He that hateth, we know what that is, dissembleth, that means he hides with his lips. In other words, uh, there's a false semblance that's put on by what he's saying. And he layeth up deceit within him. In other words, uh, there's deception inside of his heart. And the words that he, are, he is going to say are not going to be true words. That's what this verse is saying. Look with me at verse 25. It says, when he speaketh fair, in other words, nicely or kindly, when he speaketh fair, look at it, what it says, believe him not. 
for there are seven abominations in his heart. And I put down for these verses the veil of wickedness. Veil is something that hides you. It, it doesn't allow you to see. When somebody gets married, traditionally, uh, what they would do is they would have a veil over the bride's face so that the groom could not see her. And then uh, towards the end of the ceremony, you can kiss the bride and she lifts the veil and seizes her beautiful face and, 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 and finally can see her. And, uh, and there's a whole message about the veil in the Bible, not the, the wedding veil, but, it, but throughout Scripture. But nonetheless, understand this, that a veil hides your face. It hides what you really are. And we find here in these verses that the Bible is telling us that he that hateth dissembleth, or in other words, he hides with his lips, and he layeth up deceit within him. In other words, there's secret intent in his heart. That's the veil. He's covering himself with the words. He's covering himself. It's interesting that uh, the hatred shows up there many times in that verse. Uh, in verse 23, or 24, it says, He that hateth, in other words, somebody who hates somebody else. Look at verse 26. Whose hatred is covered by deceit. Look at verse 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. The hatred there uh, is the idea that, hey, there is intent that is not positive. And listen, we need to understand as Christians, not everyone has good intents in their heart. Uh, I remember one time, I, a, a con man came to my house in Peru. And uh, I, I didn't know he was a con man. Uh, he came to my house and, and, uh, and he said, and he, and he started talking to me. There was uh, several incidences of con man, not in my house, but uh, that I run across. But uh, one, he came to my house and he knocked on the door and he said, uh, he said hey, I want to, uh, he's telling me, you know, hey, we, we belong to an organization and, and uh, could you use some computers? And I said, well, yeah, we could use them for some of our church people. Of course we could use them. And, uh, and he said, well, the, this organization, uh, it's a government agency, and they're, they're closing, they're, they're getting new computers, and they're giving their old ones away. And I said, man, that's wonderful. And he said, yeah, he said, you gotta, you got to come with me, and I can give them to you. And, uh, and I was thinking, well, man, this is great. And so I said, well, i got to get my shoes on, and i got to call my friend because he's starting a, a Christian school and an institute, and he probably would have more use for those than I would. And so, uh, so I said, just hang on for a minute. And, uh, and, and I went, and I got my cell phone, and I got my shoes, and I come back out, and I'm talking now on the phone in English. And he didn't understand English. He had explained everything to me in Spanish. And I'm talking to my missionary friend in English. And the guy starts to get very nervous. And, uh, and he's trying to get me to hang up the phone. And, and he's saying, listen, we, we've got to go right now. And I said, well, yeah, just a minute. I said, my friend is going to come over. I said, and we'll go. We'll follow you down there. And he said, no, no. He said, we've got to go right now. And I, I, have, I have never in my life, and I don't mean anything uh, unkind, but I, I hadn't seen too many Peruvians in a hurry like this guy. I mean, he, he was in a hurry. He was like, we've got to go now. And I'm like... I'm starting to think there's something fishy about this whole situation. And he's saying, I I'm like, well, I'll just follow you in my car. He said, no, no, you got to get in my car. And, and I'm like, no, no, I'm waiting for my friend, and I'm going to ride with him, and we're going to follow you down to this place. And, 
and the more and more I talked, uh, the more I realized, and, and all of a sudden this guy says, we got we to go right now. My friend just, he let me know that, that, that we got to go pick them up right now or they're going to throw them all away. And, and he got up and he ran out the door and he was gone. And I ran out after him and I don't know where he disappeared to. He was gone. You know what? He was a con man. All he wanted to do was get me in the car and, I don't know, steal what I had or hold me for ransom or I don't know what his intentions were. Uh, I, I just know that when he came in the door, he sounded like a really kind man who wanted to donate a bunch of computers to a ministry or to somebody that could use them to help the Peruvian people. And what I'm saying is not everybody who sings a nice song has good intentions in their heart. And we tend, to be, uh, we tend to be good-natured. Christians, you ought to be good-natured. You ought to be loving. You ought to be kind. You ought to be compassionate. Those are, those are things that are fruits of the Spirit. And because we're like that, it's natural, it's normal, it's almost instinct for us to think, well, here's a guy, and he, he wants to do the same thing. Listen, not everybody in the world has the same intentions that you have in your heart. And there are wicked people in this world that will lie and deceive and try to cover up. Look at what it says again in verse number 24. He that hateth, dissembleth, or hideth, or masks with his lips. In other words, the words that he's saying. And layeth up deceit within him. It goes on to verse 25. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. You ever heard the expression, be careful when people are buttering you up because they're making, they're just fattening you up so they can eat you. And there's a lot of truth to that. And we tend not to think that way. We tend not to imagine that. But the reality is there are people in this world like this. And the Bible is warning us. It is giving us a warning as Christians so that we can be aware of the wickedness that exists in the world because there are people who will speak fair. They'll talk to you nice. They'll act like your friend. They will tell you things that you want to hear. But the Bible would give us a warning and say, when he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Listen, we ought not believe them. We ought to be careful. There's deceit in those lips. Uh, the Bible says that deceit several times. Look at what it says there in verse number 24. Dissembleth, that would be deceit. That would be covering up. In verse number 25, it says believe him not. because uh, Obviously because he's not believable. Verse number uh, 28 says a lying tongue and flattering to help us to understand that they're not speaking the truth. Then it goes on in verse 25 there, it says there are seven abominations in his heart. I looked that phrase up, and, uh, and you'll, you, you may not be surprised, but that is the only place that phrase shows up, seven abominations. It doesn't show up anywhere else in Scripture. But I did find one other place that does list seven and an abomination. Turn back with me to Proverbs chapter number 6, and look at what it says in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 16. And there's listed uh, six things there that the Lord hates. Look with me at verse number 16. The Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, I could not say definitively that these are the seven abominations in his heart, 
But I don't believe either that it's a coincidence that these are listed in chapter 6 of the same book uh, and would give us the idea of what some of those abominations are. When we start to go through this list, you'll say, man, check, 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 check. They all line up with this passage and it fits in just like a glove. Look with me at verse number 16 again. The Bible says, for these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. The first one is a proud look. That would be high-minded. In other words, looking uh, that, that, hey, that you're better than everyone else. That would be a proud look. That would be thinking that you're higher than everyone else. The first thing. The second thing, hands that shed innocent blood. Now, we know what that is. Obviously, that would be murder. That would be harm. That would be people who would bring harm to other people. Look at verse number 18. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. In other words, these are, uh, these are, I missed one back up in there, a lying tongue in verse number 17. A lying tongue, that's the number two. And then three, hands that shed innocent blood, that would be three in 17. Number four is a heart in heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. In other words, somebody who's going to uh, invent ideas and come up with wickedness uh, to make it happen. Maybe it's to destroy somebody. Maybe it's for some other reason. But there's wicked imaginations. Verse 18. um, I got these all labeled here for me so that I don't get misnumbered. Is the fifth one. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. That's the fifth one. Somebody who is constantly looking for and trying to stir up problems. Uh, and they're, they're always getting into trouble. Uh, feet that are swift to, sh- to, to running to mischief. 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. We know what a false witness is. Somebody who would tell uh, something that's not true about somebody else. They would lie about that. And then the last one, uh, and he, that's the seventh, and he that soweth discord among brethren. That would be somebody who gets in and tries to divide friends. That would be somebody who gets in and tries to divide people up. That's the seventh one. That's the abomination uh, before God. And isn't it not funny in, in Proverbs 26 and 26, or 25 rather, he that speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. In other words, his heart is full of wickedness. And he's not looking out for your best intentions. And he's not trying to help you. And he is uh, somebody that's going to cause you harm. And listen, there are people like that in this world, and we need to be aware of them. We just do. Uh, Like I said at the very beginning, we don't need to worry about it, but we need to be aware of it and, and be knowledgeable of it. So we find that the veil of wickedness, he's hiding all that wickedness with good intentions, with deceit. He's hiding all that hatred with good intention, or so it looks like good intentions. And he speaketh fair, and he makes it sound good. But look at the end of verse number 26. It says, His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. And it's shown, it's revealed. I thought of two examples there. The first one I thought of was Achan. You remember Achan in Joshua chapter 7. He doesn't quite fit the mold real well, but, but it does show this. Achan had deceit in his heart. God told them to destroy everything. 
And Achan, when he went in and took a land, he saw uh, some, some clothes and he saw some money and he took it, the Bible says, and he hid it in his tent. Now his idea and his uh, philosophy was to make himself rich. It was to better off his life. And when he was confronted by it, when he was asked about it, he denied it and said, I didn't take anything. And he lied. There was deceit in his lips. In other words, there was, there was, there was wrong in his heart and there was deceit in his lips. He was covering it up. He was trying to hide it from everyone. But in the end, you know the story that uh, Joshua then, uh, God instructed Joshua, hey, listen, uh, it's of this family and it's of this tribe and it's of this. And the Bible says that finally Achan's family was taken. And you know what? It was shown to the whole congregation. Everyone knew Achan lied. Achan covered it all up. Achan was a sinner. And, and he ultimately paid. In reality, sadly, uh, he, was, he was stoned, uh, and I believe his family died with him. It was not just him. And we need to recall that, listen, our sin always affects more than just us. Uh, and listen, it was shown to the whole congregation, not just him, but I thought of this as well. How about Judas Iscariot? He's a good example of being shown to the whole congregation. He was... He worked with Christ for uh, those, that time. We don't know exactly when he started, if he was with him the full three and a half years or, or what it was. But uh, I do know this, that the Bible says in John chapter number 12 and verse number 6, the other disciples said uh, that they knew that Judas was a thief and he had the bag. He had say, he'd complained about some ointment being dumped out, and, and he said, well, could not we have sold this and given the money uh, to, to the poor people and helped them out? Uh, but the other disciples knew he said that, not because he wanted to help out the poor people, but rather because he was a thief and he had the back. Here's somebody with a wicked heart, and he's got deception in his lips. Now, let me say this. I don't believe for a second that he pulled the wool over Jesus' eyes. How would you, could you, could you, can you imagine the gracefulness of Jesus Christ to work with a traitor like that for three and a half years or however long it was, three years, two years, whatever. But he spent the whole time working with him. And Jesus was gracious and Jesus was kind. But I think Jesus was also aware of the heart of Judas Iscariot. And in the end, that wickedness came out of his mouth when? When it was the opportune time that he could betray Jesus Christ to the high priest and turn him over. And he himself went with those soldiers to the garden and turned Jesus over to those gods. He betrayed him. The Bible says he got paid those, I think it was 30 pieces of silver. And shortly thereafter, he went back to the temple. He was so guilt-ridden that he could not live with himself. And he wanted to give it back, and they would not take it. They said, it's the price of blood. We can't take it. It's not right for us to take it. And the Bible says that he went out and he hung himself. It's just my personal opinion. I doubt that Judas was saved. It's just my personal opinion. The Bible doesn't really give us a clear either way, but I highly doubt the man was saved. Well, he kind of fits this whole idea because he that hateth dissembleth. In other words, he deceiveth with his lips and he layeth up deceit within him. 
And when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. I think Judas kind of fits that bill of that scripture. And I'm just saying that we need to be aware that there are wicked people in this world. Look with me at verse number 27. We referenced verses 24 through 26, and verse 28 really ties in with that veil of wickedness because it talks about a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin, and, and, and that ties right into the deception and, and the hatred and the lying and the cover-up that goes on in, in verses 25 and 26. Look with me at verse 27, and I want you to see the victim of wickedness, the victim. So we have the value of wickedness. It's absolutely no value. We have the veil of wickedness and how it covers itself up and tries to hide itself. And, and at the end, it's exposed before everyone. But I want you to see the victim of wickedness in verse number 27. The Bible says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein. And he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. Now I want you to think with me just for a moment about this. Who's the person that's going to dig a pit? And we see there the plan. Somebody who's going to dig a pit is obviously planning. It's an implication of trying to trap something. Uh, maybe they're digging a pit for an animal you know, to fall into, and they would cover it up. One of the oldest uh, trapping secrets was to dig a ditch and, and catch a lion and put some stuff over it, and that lion would come walking through, and boom, he'd fall down into the ditch. He'd fall down into that pit. You've got to dig it deep enough that he's not going to jump back out. And, and, and so the planning is there that uh, the idea is to entrap or ensnare something else. I, I like outdoorsy stuff, and uh, I've never done any trapping. I really don't know much about trapping, but I, I do know this, that I've, I've watched some of those guys, and when they try to trap, they're very thoughtful. They're very, they're very thoughtful about what they do. When they want to put a trap out, you don't just put a trap out in the middle of nowhere. You just set it up. Well, here's a trail. We'll just set the trap up here. Them guys, I was reading a little bit about it because I was just curious. I thought, I wonder what really they do. And, uh, and this one guy, uh, he said he boils his traps in, in, uh, in baking soda, and that removes all scent and all oils from that trap. So no animal, because most animals can smell very well. And then when they go out, I know that they'll, they'll put it, they'll look for the perfect spot, they'll cover it up with leaves. They're very careful about their hands touching it, they'll have gloves on, and they're very careful about scents, and they're very careful about everything so that when they lay a trap and when they lay a snare, uh, man, they want that animal to come by and unbeknownst that the animal gets trapped in that trap. They're very, very careful about it. We find here in verse 27, whoso diggeth a pit... When somebody digs a pit, I promise you this, they're not digging it for themselves. I've never seen anybody dig a pit so that they could fall into it or so they could be ensnared by it. Uh, that's not something that happens. The second part of it says, and he that rolleth a stone. Uh, in other words, he's setting up something, some form of a trap. Uh, maybe he's propped a stone up and he's got it all set so that uh, when something comes by and trips the wire, the stone will come down and it will kill the animal or kill the passerby or, or wound them or, or something of that nature. So what he's trying to do in, in verse 27 is he's attempting uh, to set a, a trap and he's attempting to ensnare or catch somebody else, not himself. And understand this, that 
Sometimes people do get caught as a victim from those things. There's no doubt about it. Um, you could say, uh, well, today, here's people uh, will try to trap you how? By identity theft. Uh, bank accounts being hacked. Well, I've heard about that. I heard about that just, yet, just yesterday, I guess it was. Another person that I heard about. And, and it happens. What do they do? They set a trap, and, and they'll set up a fake website, and they're, they're going to try and grab your, your information so that you'll put it in, and they'll, they'll ensnare you, and they're trying to trap you. But the Bible says here, and some people are victims of that, but I want you to understand and realize this, too. In verse 27, it says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. And so you can see that he's planning on catching somebody else, but eventually it's going to catch himself. I put down, listen, if you, have, if you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burnt. That's an old saying. We know that. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed my job as a, as a young person was to burn the trash. And, man, I enjoyed starting the fires in the, in the, in the wood fireplace. And did I get burnt? Yep. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. It's just going to happen. And, and these people who are, are planning and plotting and they're deceptive, as we see in, in verses 24 and 25 and 26, and, and they're, they're uh, hateful in verse 28 and, and some of these other verses. They have bad, wicked intentions in their heart. Eventually, they're going to fall prey to their own trap. And they're going to, as Jesus said in, in Matthew 26, when uh, those guards came to the, to the garden and, and Peter took out his sword uh, or his knife to cut, uh, to cut off that guy's ear, Jesus said, uh, put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. We simplify that today and we say, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. In other words, if you, uh, if you sword fight enough, you're, eventually you're going to die by the sword fight. I was thinking of different examples in the Bible. Listen, there's examples. How about Haman? Haman hated Mordecai. He hated him. He was a Jew. He hated him. And he devised a plan, and, and, and he eventually built gallows so that he could hang Haman so he could hang Mordecai, excuse me, Haman built them. Haman could hang Mordecai in those gallows in his house. And you know the story? Haman was hanged by the very gallows that he built for Mordecai. He fell victim to his own trap. What I'm saying is the victim of wickedness often is the person. And listen, as a Christian... If we're instructed, the Bible tells us not to fear him that can take the life. There are hateful people. There are wicked people in this world. But listen, as a Christian, we have the Lord to look forward to. We have, if they kill me, I've, I've heard preachers say, uh, I forget the preacher it was, and, uh, or maybe it wasn't a preacher, or a Christian fella, and a, and a thief come by and stuck a gun to his head and said, give me, give me all, all your money, and he's, what are you going to do? You're going to send me to heaven? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm a saved man. You killed me. I'm going straight to heaven. And, and, and he ended up not robbing him because, but that's the idea is that, hey, we don't have to fear the wickedness of this world. Oh, there might come some problems and there might come some difficulties, but in reality, listen, 
we're out of here. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, and I'm looking forward to a better place. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 7. This is the last verse we'll look at. Psalm 7 says the same thing. Haman died on his own gallows. Joseph's brothers, they thought that they had him when they threw him in that pit. You remember Joseph and his, all his brothers that hated him because he dreamed and they threw him in that pit and they sold him for slavery and they thought they were done with him. Boy, it came back to bite him at the end. He was in charge of all of them and all of his dreams came true. Now, he had, Joseph had a rough time getting there, but he was always faithful to the Lord. He's a great testimony of, of forgiveness and he got to the end. And he didn't hold a grudge over his brothers, but rather forgave them. But boy, he put them in their, they were in their place because uh, it comes back around to bite you. Psalms chapter number 7 and verse number 14, we find this same exact truth laid out in the book of Psalms. It says here in Psalm 7, 14, Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. We find, boy, the Bible's true. It says about the same thing in, in, in Psalm 55, 21. You can note it down. You can look it up later. What I'm saying is the victim is often uh, the person that has that hatred, that has that deception that has their wickedness in their heart, that are planning and plotting and scheming and trying. And, and yeah, they may take advantage of some people here and there, and they may look like they're doing well, but mark it down. It's going to come back to bite them. The Bible says that several times. And so we find that there's the victim of wickedness is the perpetrator of wickedness. So we find the value, it's not worth anything. We find the veil that it will cloak itself in all kinds of deception and all kinds of ways to hide itself. We find in the end, the victim of wickedness is itself. And that's a sad state in all reality. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, may we be aware of wickedness that exists in the world. It's there. We need to be aware of it. Father, we thank you for your word. And the warning that's so clearly laid out in Scripture, very evident from your word. God, help us as Christians to be aware of the wickedness that's in this world. God, I pray that you would help us to be aware of it. Help us not to have wickedness in our heart. Help us, as you advised in Proverbs 4, to guard our heart. Be careful of the things that we listen to. Be careful of the things that we see. As it will influence our heart for wrong. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play.